Welcome to the Fervently Seeking Joy podcast. You know, life has many ups and downs, and sometimes it is ridiculously hard. But the one thing I've learned is that joy is always a choice. What if we made the decision to choose joy every day? How would our lives change? How would the view of our circumstances change? In this podcast, we will talk about what it means to passionately and intentionally seek joy through the messiness of life with God as our guide. I'm your host, Mary Stillen, Jesus follower, joy seeker, blogger, mom, and wife extraordinaire. I'm here to share my journey to joy and to join you alongside yours. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode six. This week's episode is different than my usual podcast episodes. Um, And it's a bit longer, but I do encourage you to listen to it in its entirety. Even if you have to listen to it in chunks, please make sure you finish it because it is definitely one you're not going to want to miss. This week I interviewed my sister Sam and she shared with us her journey to joy. She also talks about um, kind of what kicked it all off which unfortunately is a story of grief and uh, losing their son. But she talks about that process and how her and her family um, navigated through it and ultimately how it led her to God and to where she's at now in her life, which is a life full of joy. So I am so honored and thankful that she um, wanted to talk about her story. Um, We both really feel, especially with Mother's Day approaching, we both really feel that her story can reach a whole bunch of women and families that this has happened to, maybe not to this exact um, scale, but loss and grief in one way or another. And we just wanted to encourage you that joy is on the other side of that, even when it looks hopeless. One other thing that I wanted to mention before we get into the episode is we did have a few technical difficulties. This is um, the first time that we did a joint call on Anchor to be able to record this. So it's a little bit of a mess in the beginning, but we got it together. And also, towards the end, it sounds like I'm cutting her off when she is saying something very nice. And I promise you, that is not how the conversation went. Anyway, with all that aside, and without further ado, I give to you Sam. Hi, Sam. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Um, let's try. Those of you that obviously aren't in our world here with us at the moment, we have tried doing this call probably about 10 times. So yes, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> <All right. laughs> I'm just going to believe that this time it's going to work. Um, it will happen. Yes. Okay, so I've already introduced you and told everyone um, a little bit about you and obviously that you're my sister, so we can just go ahead and jump into the conversation. 
Um, okay. So why don't we just start with um, kind of your your knowledge of God or maybe where things like first started with um, with you and God or just kind of like maybe at a young age, what that looked like for you. Okay. Um, well, you and I have similar, similar experiences with that. You know, we, we went to church for like a couple of years stint when we were younger. Um, and so we got a basic knowledge from that. So I knew there was God and he created everything and I knew there was a heaven and there was a hell and the devil. And that was pretty much it. So besides the two years that we went to church on a regular basis, um, outside of that it was the occasional holiday or confirmation and then like weddings and funerals and that was pretty much it um I actually as I was getting older and starting to question things in my own head I actually became very afraid of God and I didn't want to do anything wrong because I didn't want to go to hell like it's very stuck on oh my goodness if I make God mad I am going to go to hell and I didn't want to go there, but I wasn't sure exactly how to not end up there. So that was pretty yes. much my, my experience. <laughs> well, that, that sounds fun. That sounds really terrifying. Um, it is terrifying. <laughs> Obviously I can relate. Cause I think when I was a kid, the um, times I prayed to God is if I really, really wanted something or if mm-hmm. I felt like I did something wrong. Um, and I think it's really in yes. the recording that was kind of chopped off before you mentioned something really interesting. So I wanted you to touch on that again. Um, yeah, I would pray to like if I was scared. So, mm-hmm. you know, if I, I'm afraid of the dark tonight, I'm going to pray to God to protect me. So I would yeah. I would do that in fear times as well. And I think... Um, I think that's really interesting because in like a, a couple episodes back, I mentioned how we are hardwired to be connected with God because that's mm-hmm. how he made us. And so I find that really interesting that even though you didn't really know much about him besides the basics, um, it's fair to say that you didn't know what having a relationship looked like with him or that it was even possible. So I feel like when we're unknowledgeable about who he is, it's a very much a, there's him and then there's me kind of attitude Mm -hmm. and not really like what that looks like, you know, living together. Um, So I find it really interesting that knowing what you knew about him and being fearful of him, you still went to him when you were scared. So I just kind of wanted to, I thought that that's just proof to me too, that like we are hardwired to have a relationship or to get close to God. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, whether we like it or not, God is always with us and we just have to choose whether or not to follow him. Yes, absolutely. Um, so we'll talk about where you are right now a little bit, Mm -hmm. you know, a little bit later, but I wanted to talk about, okay. So knowing what you knew about God, which you know, mm-hmm. wasn't very much aside from Genesis and then <laughs> being afraid of him. Yeah. <laughs> but then, you know, right down knowing that he's protecting you. So you go to him when you're scared. Um, 
what was the, I guess, one major pivotal moment in your relationship with God or just into having a relationship with God? What was that one identifying moment for you? And then we can kind of talk through that, that story and how to get, how you got to where you're at right now. Okay. Um, actually the pivotal moment was a very sad one. Um, well, as you know, in 2008, we had, my husband and I had a baby and he passed away. And, um, we found out at the 20 week ultrasound that he had a heart defect and, um, but we, we were thinking, and the doctors told us at the time that it would be fixable. And um, he had what was called hypoplastic right heart syndrome. So just to give a quick, Mary, I know you know this, but mm-hmm. to explain it a little bit to everyone else, pretty much in essence, okay, we have four chambers in our heart. And, it, you know, go the blood circulates through our heart and oxygenates and through our lungs and then goes out through our body. Well, with hypoplastic uh, right heart, he only had two chambers and then his plumbing was a little messed up. So the pulmonary artery that went from his lungs to his heart was very small. And um, so he would have to have a series of surgeries to reroute everything so that he would not be blue Um, and so that his blood could be oxygenated and he could thrive. Well, after he was born, the doctors figured out that things were a lot more serious than they even anticipated. And he ended up having what's called pulmonary vein atresia, which is the veins that go from your lungs to your heart weren't connected to his heart. They're connected to a little pouch behind his heart and nothing was going anywhere. So you can live with that. You can also live with hypoplastic right heart, but it's very uncommon um, to live with both. And he had multitude of other defects that you could live with. Just everything put together was um, just a recipe for disaster. Um, and he was, he was born at like 1030 in the morning and died at 6 36 at night so he lived eight hours and um and yeah so that was that was the most devastating Mm -hmm. time in our lives but it's the it's the moment that kind of started I guess you could say started me on my faith journey and to move closer to God. And it's, I know it sounds, it sounds like that, that type of thing wouldn't do that. It actually move you away from God more, but, um, and, and it did for a little Mm -hmm. bit, but, um, but yeah, but eventually I got to where I am now. And (laughs) I don't know, looking back, I don't know if that would have happened had this not happened. Well, And I mean, obviously we can't, we can't rewrite history and we can't predict what would have happened. However, as you were talking, I just um, remembered when you first found out that you were pregnant or shortly after, 
um, Mm -hmm. that you were pregnant with Aaron, um, you called me and you said that you didn't think that um, this baby was going to make it. And I remember saying, Mm -hmm. oh, it's just jitters. You'll be okay. Like, if you feel any cramping, put your feet up, you know, and and all that. But you, I remember several times, even after you got the diagnosis at your, you know, 21 or your 20 week ultrasound, then you had, well, they knew that there was a problem. Then Mm -hmm. you went to a specialist where they, they uh, were able to diagnose part of the problem. Um, Yes. I just remember you kept saying, like, I, I just don't think he's going to make it. And, yeah. um, I mean, if you wanted to talk just a little bit about, like, some of the options that they gave you and repeatedly gave you um, during the yeah. time you were pregnant with Aaron. Yeah. Um, okay. So going back to real quick what you said about I knew something was up. I mm-hmm. did. Like, from the moment I took that pregnancy test. It's like something just didn't feel right. Yeah. Um, and then the the day that we got the official diagnosis from the maternal fetal doctor, I was driving home and I was devastated, of course, but I was driving home and it just hit me out of nowhere. This baby's not going to make it. And so mm-hmm. I think I just kind of knew all along. Mm-hmm. I was hoping I was wrong and I was hoping it was just jitters because he was our, you know, our second baby. And we had one, one child two years pri- prior to this, and sh- everything was fine. I had no reason to be nervous, but mm-hmm. I don't know something in me just something in me just I think knew. Yeah. Um, so about my options. Yeah. Okay. So the day I got the diagnosis, it was not from a, a fetal car- cardiologist or pedi- pediatric cardiologist. It was from a maternal fetal doctor. So it, that's a doctor that specializes. It's an OB that specializes in high-risk pregnancies. Mm-hmm. Well, so he told me this baby's not going to make it without surgery. And then said, you have until I believe is 22 weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, 22 or 24 weeks, I don't remember exactly, to terminate the pregnancy. And actually, (laughs) how he said that to me was this way. And I will never forget this because to me, it was such a cold way Mm -hmm. to like say it. But he said, I don't know who you are. You could be a pastor's daughter for all I know. Mm. But just know that you have until this amount of time to terminate the pregnancy. And I was so shocked that he would... That I mean, obviously, he had to let me know my options, but I was just shocked overall. I just got told this. Then he tells me this other thing that I can terminate my pregnancy. And I know that there are circumstances out there where that needs to happen. But for me, that was no way that I could do that. I saw him on an ultrasound moving around and I just couldn't do it. And it angered me that he was so cold about it. And he left the room. And the nurse was in there with me and she said, she held my hand and she said, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. And I said, I know. (laughs) And I left. So that was kind of my first encounter with that doctor. And I saw him other times. And towards the end of my pregnancy, he could not understand why I didn't do it. 
Mm. I, I told him, I said, because he's like, do you understand how serious this is? And I go, yes, I do. And he said, well, the, the cardiologist didn't suggest that you terminate the pregnancy. And I said, no, they said they could fix it. And he just couldn't wrap his head around it. And I remember I got home that day after the diagnosis and I told Chuck, I said, this is what he said. And I said, don't ever ask me to do that because it's not going to happen. And Chuck looked at me and said, I would never, ever ask you to do that. So you get a devastating diagnosis on top of (laughs) that. Yeah. It was not a good thing. Well, I wanted you to kind of talk about that because, um, you know, going through the rest of your story here in a minute, um, I think that that was, I don't know, you had that feeling, obviously it's your baby, yes, and you saw him moving and you're like, no, I'm not going to terminate this pregnancy. But possibly had you done that, um, mm-hmm. I don't know that you'd be where you're at right now. Um, because there was a, there was a lot in that, that hindsight's always 2020 and through this journey with Aaron, um, and the day of his birth and his death and the days and weeks after, you know, there were, there were definitely those divine moments that you had Mm -hmm. that, um, may not have happened otherwise. And, I think it's also such a great, there was many different illustrations in what you just talked about. Not that I want to call that doctor the devil, but (laughs) I really feel like between the doctor and the nurse, there's that typical, you know, like angel on your shoulder, devil on your shoulder or vice versa Mm -hmm. in that situation. You know, you've got somebody that just can't wrap their head around it and doesn't understand and is very cold. And for him to say, I don't care if you're a, a pastor's wife or daughter or whatever, you know, he said, um, I feel like for him to even bring that into it was a little, a little forked tongued, you know what I mean? Like, I agree. (laughs) And then you have the nurse who's reassuring you and saying, you don't have to do anything that you don't want to do and nobody's going to force you to do it. Um, so I mean, that's, that's much of like, the way of the world and how we choose our battles and what uh, direction we're going to lean to. Um, Mm -hmm. But also because he doesn't understand why you would do that, even up to the day you gave birth, I feel like it's also really good. You are a living illustration of the love that God has for us. It may not make sense to other people. And Mm -hmm. why would you, hang on to someone or something or love someone or something in a, what looks like a hopeless situation. Like what's mm-hmm. the point in that, you know, and God, right. God shows that day in and day out all the time. And there are so many people that doesn't understand, well, I'm broken or I'm this, or I'm that. like, how can you love me? Or people on the outside will look what you've done and look who you are. Like God's not going to love you, you know? I just, right. I don't know. I just really wanted to kind of make that correlation that even though you weren't in a relationship with God yet that you knew of, that you were aware of, your mm-hmm. life is still illustrating what it looks like yeah. to have that relationship. Well, 
you know, I never really thought of it that way, yeah. but thank you. <laughs> and, you know, I just want to, I just want to make clear too, that any decisions that Chuck and I made during that time, we don't regret at all. Mm-hmm. I don't looking back, I don't regret not terminating the pregnancy. Yeah. I did what I felt was right. And, mm-hmm. um, then even the choice to let him go at the very end that we that's when those two moments we do not regret it all like can i just explain what i mean by that last moment just real quick yep absolutely um so the doctors had gone through every possible thing that they could think of to help him and it just wasn't working and his cardiologist said, I think it might be this pulmonary vein atresia, but there's no way to test for it unless we get him into the heart catheter lab and then they would be able to do imaging and things like that. But he wasn't strong enough to do that. So he said, here's your options. He said, if it is this, he's not going to survive. There's nothing we can do for it. There's no surgery, nothing. He said, but here are your options. You can put him on ECMO, which is a life support Um And it would keep him going long enough to get a little bigger, a little stronger. They would put him into the heart catheter lab and then we'd be able to figure out exactly what's going on. But a, like I said, he would, there's nothing they could do if it was this. And also it would be painful for him. He would be bloated. He would be this, he would be that. It would be a very painful thing for him. He said, or you can let him go now and he can pass away in your arms. And so pretty much our options were he can pass away in a heart catheter lab surrounded mm-hmm. by doctors, or he could pass away in our arms. And it didn't take us long to decide yeah. what to choose. And we chose to let him pass away that night. And it was hard. Yeah. I mean, not to say that even though it didn't take us long, it was still hard, but we didn't want him to be in pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, he wasn't, the doctor assured us he was not in pain at the time, um, that he was, his blood was so acidic. He was in kind of a fog and they were also giving him pain meds to help relax him, but he had tubes and wires everywhere and knowing that it would just increase and then he would be, you know, in even more pain just to have the same result. Yeah. We just, there was not a question of what we, what we should do. Yeah. So in those two decisions, we don't regret at all. Well, and up to that point, aside when, aside from the fact or from the moment when he was first born and you got to hold him for a minute before he got whisked away to the NICU, um, you hadn't mm-hmm. really, you guys hadn't really been able to like hold him or, you know, touch him right. really. I mean, you could touch his hand or whatever, but he was still hooked up to everything and you hadn't gotten to have that the, you know, parental bonding moments with him, right? Oh, right. And so when he was born, he cried, which they said would probably not happen. Um, And so we were all prepared for all the things that weren't supposed to happen, and they happened. So he cried, which was a good thing. Mm -hmm. Um, So they gave him to me, and I held him for a second while he quit breathing, Mm -hmm. because a lot of things, the other things that they explained would happen, happened. So they had to intubate him and things really quickly. Yeah. Um, so I got to hold for seriously a sight. It was enough to snap a picture and that was it. Mm-hmm. So then 
um, once the NICU doctor came up and said, things are not looking good, um, I was still numb. I still had an epidural and I was still completely numb and I couldn't move. And the nurse, my delivery nurses looked at each other and said, we have to get her downstairs now. And I'm like, but I can't feel my legs. And they're like, don't worry about it. We'll take care of it. So during this time for hours after I had him and we're down this NICU, I was numb. I couldn't even stand up to touch his face or whatever. So pretty much the only thing I got to touch for those eight hours was his foot mm. and hold on to his foot. And um, we had a photographer come in and take bereavement pictures before he passed away. And in all those pictures, I couldn't even, I was touching his foot. That was the only part of him that I could touch. Mm. So yeah, it was, that whole day was so devastating mm. in many aspects, but knowing that I couldn't even touch my baby yeah. was even more devastating. Yeah. Oh, kind of. I know. Takes me back. I'm fighting it back too. <laughs> yeah. If you got to let it fly, I know. let it fly. It's perfectly okay. I, I'm trying really hard <laughs> because it'll be an ugly cry. <laughs> so, um, Okay. Well, and let's, I don't know. I just, I feel like this needs to be said too. Um, your, the strength in your voice right now, talking about everything. Um, mm -hmm. I just want to kind of let everyone know that this has, because sometimes it's easier to talk about things, obviously, that have already happened. Um, but I, I just want people to know that the strength in Sam's voice right now is not her being removed from it, not taking anything lightly. Not, mm -mm. I mean, she's had a, a long time to kind of process through these feelings that we'll talk about. Um, but it's been, what, 10 years or just about 10 years? Yes. December. It has been 10 years. December of this year will be 11. Okay. Um, so I just, it's, I just felt like I kind of needed to share that with everybody. Oh, most definitely. And I don't want to seem like you know, like I have removed myself because yeah. I haven't. And I still cry over him. And I mean, at, you know, this does bring, now I'm going to start, but <laughs> this does bring up other memories of that day for me. Yeah. And I think people, I, I'm not going to speak for other people, but this is just something that I've kind of noticed throughout support groups and things like that. When you go through the loss of a child or a pregnancy or, you know, something, when you go through a loss like this, it's almost like you have PTSD. I think yeah. some people have even been diagnosed with PTSD and it takes you back. Yeah. And it does. And I've been back to that day and those in that year, even afterwards and things like that so many times um, that, you know, I, I don't want people to think that I don't cry over him because yeah. I still do. And every year on his birthday, I'm a mess and, you know, like, but I think where the strength is coming from, not only from God right now, but also because I know I'm not the only one with the story. And I know mm -hmm. that there's someone out there that is new to this. Yes. And I want them to know that you're going to be okay. It's yeah. going, it's going to really stink for a while, but one day you're going to be okay, yeah. even though it doesn't feel like you are right now. So I think that's what's kind of 
driving me at the moment mm-hmm. is that I want to show people where I've yeah yeah they know where I've been but where I am right now is you can get there too yeah absolutely um so going back okay so after Aaron passed away um you know you and Chuck were able to hold him and he was he passed away in your arms um Talk about, you had mentioned, or we had talked about before, a um, another kind of moment, defining moment within that time, um, mm-hmm. where hindsight now is, you know, it's definitely um, a God divine intervention for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But talk through that moment. Um, when you were alone in your hospital room after he had passed away. Okay. Um, well, first of all, <laughs> I need to, I need just because Chuck needs credit for this. Aaron didn't die in my arms. Aaron died in Chuck's arms. And the reason for that is, and I'm not trying to correct you or anything. Well, so please don't think. That, no, that's but... fine. I kind of meant, as I was saying it, it's like, this is wrong, but I meant like yours collectively <laughs> as parents. Yes. <laughs> yes. But the thing that, the thing that, and I told him that day, a lot of things stick out and then I'll get to the divine. I, I didn't get to hold him again while he was alive. Chuck did because I told him, I said, I held him for nine months. Mm -hmm. You can hold him now. So I wanted him to have, I wanted him to have that. Yeah. I got to, I got to feel him kick. And things like that. And he didn't. So I wanted him to have something positive mm-hmm. out of that situation. But um, so anyway, the divine moment. So the next day. Um, so you were taking care of our oldest, mm-hmm. Ava. And I wanted to see her. And Chuck was think Chuck wanted to see her too. And, you know, he's thinking maybe it would help, you know helped me a little bit and as I was not obviously he wasn't doing well but I really wasn't either so he's like hey I'm gonna go get Ava and I said okay sure and he goes are you sure you're okay with me leaving and I'm like yeah I'm fine I'm fine I'll be fine it was like well grief is so strange because you can feel one way one minute and then the next minute you're like completely the opposite so he walked out of the room and then all I wanted was him to come back into the room. It was yeah. like, I'm like, go away, no, come back. Mm-hmm. And it was, it just messed with me so much. But anyway, so I was crying and I was laying in my bed crying. I was exhausted, you know, and just a whole sorts of, of emotions. And so I was laying on my side in my bed and I had my eyes closed this entire time. And I'm just like, I just want him back. I just want him back. That's just all I kept saying. I just want him back. I want my baby. And I felt like someone was in the room with me, even though there's no one there. I didn't open up my eyes at any time, but I just knew no one was there. It didn't feel like mm-hmm. a person. It didn't feel like a human standing there. It's so hard to explain, but um, it just felt like someone was standing next to my bed. Yeah. And then it felt like someone walked around my bed. And then, because I was laying on my, on my left side, 
So someone is felt like someone laid down next, like behind mm-hmm. me, put, and then put their arm around me. But it didn't feel like a person. That wasn't that weight of a person yeah. there. And when I felt the arm go around me, I felt peaceful and mm. I went to sleep. I don't think I was asleep long, probably 20 minutes. But when I woke up, that presence was gone. And so for the, for the longest time after that, um, I totally discounted mm-hmm. that. I remember I was talking to, to mom about it. And she's like, oh, that was God. I'm like, why would God want to take time out for me? He's busy. You know, he's not going to take time out for little old me. And I believe I said those pretty much yeah. exact words to her. And so, and I was a little angry at the time. But, um, so yeah, so that was the one, one divine yeah. moment in that hospital room. And I, it's something I will never forget. And I, I feel like, um, given where you are right, where you are right now too, I feel like that's such a comforting thing to look back on and know mm-hmm. and realize that you were not alone. You, you know, right. may not have known or what it was like to live with God. And yes, you're very angry with him, but yet he's like, I'm still here. I'm not going to let you be alone. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talk a little bit about your anger with God. And um, I know that went on for a little while and, you know, you and I talked and we, you know, mom and I were trying to encourage you to, you know, go to the group therapy and get some help and things like that. So you can process, which I know was kind of, it was hard to say, yes, I need that help. Um, Oh, most definitely. And also you don't want to relive it again. You know, you're, you're trying to put yourself back together and you're trying to grieve in your own way. And I know that you didn't want to have to relive it in front of, you know, all these people and, and all that, but maybe walk through a little bit of, um, the beginning of your healing process. Um, and then some of the feelings you were having towards God. Okay. Um, yeah, so I did go to a support group. Um, it was through the hospital and um, I was nervous about going just because, like you said, I didn't want to have to relive it over and over and over again. I already was. I wasn't sleeping. I actually was on Ambien for a while to help me sleep, and I still was. I still had insomnia. So it was just like one of those things where it was on my mind all the time. But I knew that I needed to get it out. So I went to the support group. I'm like, I'll try one, see what happens. And it turned out to help a lot. Um, I went on and off almost a year. Um, and I it helped knowing that I wasn't alone, that there were other people that had you know, similar situations as mine. I mean, no one had a heart, you know, a baby with a heart issue, but just different reasons why there are stillborns and babies who pass away and miscarriages and things like that. It just kind of helped me not feel so alone. And there was something in, someone said something during one of the group sessions that really made me dig my heels in and work hard. 
and it was they said something like and I'm forgive me if I have the statistics wrong but 70% of marriages who go through the loss of a child end in divorce and I heard that and I'm like I don't want that to happen I don't want to be a statistic I want this I can't lose my husband I lost my baby I can't lose him too and I can't lose my family so I really dug my heels in and and you know, got help. Um, and it, it helped. I, I just went to the support group and I did online support groups, but I did not have any one-on-one counseling. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, um, insurance wise and things like that. I mean, things were kind of all crumbling down around us. We didn't have insurance for a while and it was just a, the whole first year was a mess. So I didn't have the money to do it, but, um, so I was trying to find free things. So that's why I just did the mm-hmm. support group. Um, but it, it helped. And um, so my anger with God was just, why did you take my baby? I would ask him all the time, why did you take him? You're all knowing and all powerful. You knew this was going to happen and you sat back and did absolutely nothing. And now I'm, I'm here wishing I was taking his place. And why didn't you let, why didn't you take me? Like, it was just a whole lot of questions and anger towards Mm -hmm. God. And then I thought too, what did I do? What did I do that was so bad that you had to punish me like Mm this? And, um, cause I said, whatever it is, you could have just taken me, you know, like I, I was just like, it all went back to why didn't I take his place? Why was it him and not me? Because I would have done anything. And I still, if God were to come to me today and say, Aaron can come back, but you got to come with me. I would go. Not to say them, you know, that I want to, like, I'm not depressed or anything, but I think that's what a lot of parents feel like. Let me take this on. Not you. You're a kid. I'm supposed to protect Mm -hmm. you. And this was one thing where I couldn't protect him. He was okay. Not okay. But he was like, surviving and thriving in my womb but as soon as he was born everything just that that protection was gone and I had a lot of guilt there's a lot of survivor's guilt with that um and then the anger came and I was just I just pulled away from God completely and I got to the point where I wasn't even sure if there Mm. was a God because I'm like if there's a God why would he let all this crap happen so not just Aaron but you know why does he let any bad thing happen and I mean I was wrong obviously (laughs) like God doesn't let I mean God wasn't punishing me and I know we can get into that later but you know God wasn't punishing me and I didn't do anything wrong to deserve that and you know it's just sometimes really bad things in life happen because there's sin in this world and it's and for the longest time I did not want to accept that answer either I thought that was just unacceptable. Yeah. I'm like, oh, well, sin's here, whatever. God can still come down and and, and do something about mm-hmm. it. But at the same time, he chooses not to because we have free will. So, I mean, it, it, it goes into, it can go into a round and round yeah. sort of thing. But yeah, that's kind of where I was anger-wise. Just why did you do that? Why did you let this happen? Okay. Um, sorry, I had a thought. <laughs> And it just kind of slipped my head. Oh, um, so given your anger, 
with God um, and where you stood with him at that time. What got you to the place of, um, of where you're now, where you have a relationship with God? Um, what got you from one end of the spectrum all the way to making like a complete 180 degree change? Oh, well, it was a process and I'm still a work in Mm -hmm. progress. This isn't like, I'm not at the end. And we never are. We've never arrived as long as we're on this side of heaven. Never. Exactly. Exactly. And just because, I just want to make it clear to you, just because I have a relationship with God and a developing relationship with God doesn't mean that nothing bad happens in my life. Bad stuff still happens. I just handle it a little differently, and I have faith knowing that he will handle Mm it. Um, But so let's fast forward a a couple of years. Um, 2010, we actually had another baby. And that was something that that night that Aaron died, I told... I told Chuck, I'm like, don't ask me to have any more because it's not going to happen. And he's like, no, you know, that's fine. I totally get it. He said, but I know you. (laughs) And in about a year, you're going to want another one. (laughs) And about a year later, I wanted (laughs) another one. So we had, (laughs) yeah, it's funny how your husband know you sometimes more than than you think. But um, so uh, 2010, we had Everett and... Um, his pregnancy and birth was completely normal. No heart defects. It was an Aaron's defect. We were told was just a fluke. It wasn't genetic. It wasn't anything. It was just something bad that happened and there was no reason for it. So, um, we still went through extra testing with Everett and, um, just to make sure everything was fine. And it was so in, so a few years later, Ava, our oldest, was asking me questions about Aaron that I could not answer. I didn't have the knowledge to answer them. She's asking me about heaven and where is Aaron and what happens when I die and, you know, things like that. And I looked at Chuck and I'm like, I think we need to go to church. Mm-hmm. I go, because I cannot answer this. And Chuck did have a church background. He did grow up going to church, but he had, you know, when he became a young adult and stuff, ended up quitting going to church and things like that. And, um, but we had been kind of talking on and off at that time about going to church and you just got to find the right one and blah, blah, blah. So, but Ava asking that, you know, I'm like, I think we need to go. And he's like, yeah, we do. So we end up finding a church and we really liked it. It was a really good, like starting point Mm -hmm. for us. Unfortunately, it was kind of far from our house. It was about 45 minutes away, driving through the country and living in Illinois. You know, weather can be very bad. So we weren't going as much as we should have. But it was starting me on this journey of of forgiving mm-hmm. God, yeah. I guess you could say. Like, not being so mm-hmm. angry um, and accepting where Aaron was and knowing that I couldn't be there because uh, – the times that I would think about going to church prior to this, it was, I don't want to go to church because it's going to remind me of where Aaron is and I can't yeah. be there. And, um, 
it was just more hurt. And so um, it was a rather big church. So we were able to kind of get lost in the shuffle a little bit, which was fine with us. Um, we did get to know one of the pastors. Um, he was an associate pastor and very sweet. And, you know, even I would ask him, why did God let this happen? And he came to me one day. He goes, I'm really sorry, but I'm not sure how to answer that besides it was God's mm-hmm. sovereignty. And I'm just like, okay, yeah, well, there's that <laughs> answer again. You know, sorry, but that's just kind of went with what went through my head. And so we went to that church on and off for about a year. And the kids were getting, um, starting a relationship with God and um, Everett, he was three at the time. So he, um, that's all, you know, that's pretty much all he knew. And he was loving it. And Ava was kind of iffy about things, but she was kind of getting there. We're all just kind of starting to grow. And then about a year later, it was March of 2014. Yeah. Um, or 2015, I don't remember exactly which year because we've been at this church for four years, but um, so 2015. So we um, we were discussing it one day and it was in the winter and Chuck's like, well, if we're going to be serious about going to church, we need to find one closer to home so that we don't have the excuse of weather keeping us from going. So um, we heard about this church in town and we decided to go and I was like well it's not this church that's how I kind of was before I'm like well it's not harvest and Chuck's like give it a chance give it a chance and so it's funny because when you're when you're in the place you're supposed to be where God you know wants you to be and whatever you can look back later and be like wow there was God's fingerprints were all over this at this time too so we ended up being the church we are now um and we all love it um chuck and i are pretty involved in the church uh we are members um everett decided to be baptized we we did not um have our kids baptized when they were little we wanted them to Mm -hmm. make that decision um so Everett decided uh, a couple years ago to be baptized so he's done that i've since been baptized and yeah, we just kind of things really, the more I got to know God, the less angry I felt. And then it was working on forgiving myself. Yeah. And that's, I can't say I've 100% done that. I can say I probably 90% have forgiven myself for his death because every year it's still when his birthday comes along, I still have that that guilt comes up a little bit, but every year it gets less and less. But um, it just started this giant healing journey for me and, and the rest of my family. And I don't know, it's just, I don't know where the complete turnaround yeah. happened. I don't think I have just the moment where a switch yeah, was no. flipped. It was a gradual thing. Well, it was a complete like thing. we talked about in our phone conversations a few weeks back, um, kind of gearing up to talk about your story today. Um, I know we kind of made the connection mm-hmm. that um, that Aaron, you know, 
even though he's not here on earth, he's done so much. I mean, his story has done so much. It affected mm -hmm. his cardiologist. Um, it, yes. And I, by all means, will let you talk about that too. Um, all the people that he connected yeah. you with, um, one of your best friends he connected you with yeah. um, because of, of her situation as well. And also, you know, mm -hmm. I feel like Aaron led you, Aaron led you to God and to get to know him in a way that Aaron knows him now. Um, because, you know, Ava had that question and you had the, the bravery with your stance on where you were with God. You mm -hmm. had the smarts to not push your feelings or opinions on your daughter because you wanted her to be able to um, figure things out herself and what her feelings and opinions are. And, you know, you had mm -hmm. the courage to say, hey, I think we need to go to church. And so she can yeah. figure this out. So, like, I feel like Aaron led you down that path. Like, he led you to, even though it was really difficult circumstances, he helped lead you into the hands of God, you know? Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, go ahead. Um, just what were, I mean, if share briefly about, I hate having to rush through this stuff, and I, I hope it doesn't feel no. that way. Um, no, it doesn't Who are some of the people that... <laughs> Aaron connected you with? Well, so Dr. Dr. Tholey, his cardiologist said it was, it was the day we got his autopsy results. And he said, there are going to be people that come into your life to help you through this. And I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, the whole grieving thing, you're like, right. whatever, no one's going to help me. I'm alone. Yeah. In this. Um, and you know, you mentioned he was affected by it and he was, he, um, yeah. I've never met a doctor before or since that had so much compassion and love for his patients and and the their families as this man. And we we aren't like close. We don't hang out all the time. I t I drop him a line every once in a while, but I will never forget him. And he was a man of faith, is a man of faith, but he did not push that on me or Chuck. Um, and he cried with us. Never seen a doctor do that before. Um, and he even wrote a poem about Aaron that got published. And, you know, he's never forgotten that. And he actually now is trying to work with other doctors about having more compassion mm. and bedside manner and things like that. And it, it was, it's amazing. Just the things that he has done is amazing. And, um, yeah, I, I will never forget him ever. And, um, so you mentioned my mm -hmm. best friend is, <laughs> so I met my best friend actually through Facebook of all places. Um, which is funny because you, you don't think of actual friendship, not just a click of a button right. friendship, but an actual genuine friendship comes from there. And 
her and her husband had lost a baby um, the year after we lost Aaron. And um, they lost their baby to SIDS. And there was a write-up in the local paper about it because they were doing a fundraising out, a fundraising event. And all I said was, I clicked, or I did a comment, and I said, you know, I'm really sorry for your loss. I've lost a baby, too. And um, she friend requested me, and we've been friends pretty much ever since, which is pretty yeah, pretty cool. Um, and we're super close, and she is. She's my best friend. And um, so our, our boys brought us, God, too, but, you know, our, that event with our boys brought us together. Mm-hmm. And had that not happened, I don't know if we would be friends. Like, we have a lot in common, but I don't know if there would have been anything that drew us together. Um, So, as much of a yucky situation that is, I'm very thankful for her and glad that we were brought together. We have helped each other through the years so much. Um, And um, so that, I'm sorry, can you remind me where I was going. We were just talking about (laughs) how you two were connected. Yes. So that's, that's how we've been, that's how we were connected and through Facebook and, and um, yeah, so we, we still every, every year on December 2nd, she um, is, do you need anything? And then every year on the date that her son, I don't want to give out her Mm -hmm. information, but on the day that her son, I, there's anything you need. We're always there for each other, always crying. You know, if we need to cry each other's shoulder, we do. We laugh together. We, you know, we've just been through in the, I think, oh my goodness, what, six years mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. that we've been friends. We've been through, through stuff together. And it's, it's, it's nice having that. I mean, I know I have you and mm-hmm. I have my family, but it's nice to have other people outside of that as a support system too, that's actually been through it and know somewhat what you're going through. Well, it definitely helps for, you know, I know at periods in my life going through yucky situations, it, it helps when there's someone that can sit down and hold your hand and say, I see you because I've been there too. Like that really goes yes. a long way. And and while our circumstances here on earth can really suck <laughs> sometimes to say the least. Yeah. Um, right. You know, I feel like it's up to us and how we're going to navigate through that. Um, mm-hmm. Like realizing it's okay not to be okay. And mm. finding because there's I feel like there's some shame in that there's some shame in like okay I'm really sad today I'm really hurting today because the rest of the world wants us to plaster a smile on our face and be like okay well I'm still breathing so it's a good day um right but to um realize it's okay not to be okay but then say okay I'm gonna figure out like what direction do I need to go? And to be able to cling to God and allow him to be your North star and to be able to get you through what you need to get through. Um, And it's an ongoing process for the rest of the time that we're here on earth, but he connects, 
he uses our circumstances to connect us with other people that need that same, hey, I see me, I see you because I've been there too. Oh, most definitely. And, you know, there, we have family members too that have gone through the same, gone through loss and things like that. But when you have someone to like that, who sits there, I see you, I get it. You know, like it, it does, it helps so much because, and I know I've mentioned this many, many times during this conversation, this something like when something like this happens, because life continues. Mm -hmm. Yes. People grieve with you when it first happens, but then life goes on. And after a while, people are grieving with you as much anymore. And you kind of feel alone. Like, oh, you know, why, you know, everyone else should be hurting because I'm hurting, you know, and that's where I think sometimes people lash out in anger and things like that, which is all okay. Mm -hmm. Because we all process things differently. And Chuck even said, Grief does not have a time limit. And that's something that I also remember as the years go on, because I, you know, even this past year when he turned 10, I'm like, why am I still crying over this? Why am I still so devastated on his birthday? Shouldn't I be able to just be a little sad and kind of move on with my day? And, you know, I'm reminded that's your baby. You're always going to miss him. And it's okay to be not okay and so even days when it's not his birthday sometimes I'm just like I'm having a bad day and it's because of this they're few and far between now but sometimes I'll just be like I miss him and you know I'll talk with her about it and she'll be like I get it because I miss my son too and yeah it's just nice knowing that you're that you're not alone because it, it is, it's very, very like isolating or it can feel isolating. Yes. Well, and I, obviously with this podcast, it's called Fervently Seeking Joy. And it's hard to see mm-hmm. the joy in situations like this when you're living it out in that moment. Mm-hmm. But looking yeah. back, um, and yes, I walked with you through it but I didn't live it. Um, and I don't live it daily like you guys do, but mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, then correct me if I'm wrong, but I see not when it first happened, um, mm-hmm. but through the people that Aaron connected you with and having this relationship with God now and be able, being able to, um, you know, say the things that you've said and um, continue living your life and not just surviving, but you're thriving now. Um, Mm -hmm. There is a lot of joy in that because um, you could have chosen a different path. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think it's really important for people to see maybe your circumstance in particular will help somebody see that no, things don't have to be flowery and, you know, pretty to be okay and to be joyful, but there, there is joy. I don't want to say despite, but, um, joy can be produced from really hard, painful situations. Oh, yes. And you even say, 
in the beginning of your podcast that joy mm-hmm. is a choice. And that is 100% true, especially, you know, even in this situation, I, my husband and I could have ended up down a very dark road. We could have gone to alcohol or drugs or just, just never gotten out of a depression or whatever. There's so many bad things that could have happened, but we chose to we chose to move on. And I think that's where some people can get stuck. It's like, okay, I've been grieving, 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 grieving. What do I want to do? And it was kind of like one of those things where I'm like, I don't want to be stuck sad. Aaron does not want me to be depressed my whole life. And I have other kids that need me. I have a husband that needs me and family. And I, I've had this family that I've helped create that needs Mm -hmm. me. And that's what kind of, and obviously God gives you the strength too, whether or not you acknowledge him or not. That's one thing I've, I've really learned whether you acknowledge him or not, he is giving you strength Mm -hmm. and he is helping you. And once you do acknowledge it, you can see it. Um, but yeah, like I didn't want to be sad anymore. I was so tired of crying and I was just like, I just want to be happy. And not that I turned it off and whatever. It was a process, but I started doing things that made me happy. And, you know, like I was fine trying to find joy in little things. And when it comes to that, you got to live in the moment, live it day by day, hour by hour. And eventually through time you can get your happy back and I can say now that I am happy I have a happy life a good actually a great marriage and kids who are happy and well adjusted I guess as well adjusted as any child can be (laughs) um and just we have a lot of joy and love in our life. And, you know, through this time when we started going to our current church, God started leading me down a path. And I'm now down a path of ministry. Like I, I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like, but I feel like I've been called into ministry. So I know that can look Mm -hmm. like many things, but um, just, I'm excited to see what the future holds for all of us and what future holds for me in terms of the ministry and and things like that too and it's just it's so many good things are happening and I'm glad that I made that choice to get out of the Mm -hmm. yuck and into and see what beauty life has absolutely and I think um the other thing I kind of wanted to mention is I feel like of course, being your sister, I feel like I can speak on your behalf at times. Um, yes. I feel like the <laughs> one thing that really set you free when you started um, really diving in and exploring your, your, your hurt and all this stuff, um, processing Aaron's death and allowing mm-hmm. yourself getting to get closer to God um, is when you 
had the realization that the choice to move on and be happy doesn't mean that you're leaving Aaron behind. Yes, most definitely. Um, I, I held on to that hurt because I didn't want to yeah. forget him. I thought, well, if I quit hurting, I'm going to forget him. And that is not true. <laughs> I still remember him mm-hmm. even when I'm yeah. happy. Um, I don't have that. I think when we're hurting and that hurt that you have, the only way I can describe it is that your heart is literally yeah. breaking. Like it hurts and it's breaking. And I thought, well, if I let go of that, he's going to be forgotten. I can't move on with my life because I don't want to forget him. But it's our loved ones don't want that to happen. They, they're in paradise. Mm-hmm. They're happy. They want us to be happy. Why? And I was thinking too, why am I torturing myself? He's happy and he's safe. He's loved. He's with, you know, our family members have passed away. He is happy. Why should I not be happy too? And when I finally could just be like, I deserve to be happy. I actually deserve to have happiness in my life is when I started letting go of that Mm. pain. And then the good things started coming in. That's awesome. That's yeah. I don't really have anything other to say. I feel like you closed that out so beautifully. Kind of left me speechless there for a minute. And I like to talk. Um. (laughs) I know that's a, that's a big feat. So I'm going to take that as a huge yes. compliment. <laughs> well, I, um, I just wanted to thank you for having the courage to talk about um, your story and talk about Aaron with everybody today. And um, I think, I think your story is so beautiful. And oh, hold on. <laughs> and I'm really proud of you. I'm really proud of you and Chuck and the kids. Um, I know she mentioned Everett, but what, two, almost two years ago now, they added Anna to the mix. Oh well, my gosh. Three I, years oh my ago. Gosh, three already. Holy cow. I'm a yeah, terrible aunt. She's going to be three. I know. Maybe because she's, maybe no, you're she's not. so tiny. I'm, I still have her stuck at she two. She's very tiny. Um, she's a tiny ball of energy. Yes, but, so, um, <laughs> I don't know, your, your courage and your humility and um, just the love that you have and the joy that you have now really, uh, really emanates. And um, I'm just really proud of you and, and how far you've come. And I think it's so cool and beautiful to see how God has worked with your life and where you're at right now and how you're using all of the things in your life to glorify him and help bring others to him and to come to know the joy and the love in him that you've found. So. Well, and thank you for having me. Thank you for saying those things and thank you for having me on your show. And I think you are doing a fantastic job (laughs) with your podcast. And I, I am proud of you too. And I know you've gone through things in your life as well. And, you know, you and I have talked a lot about how our lives can kind of parallel at times. And 
Um, I'm just, I'm proud of you for finding your happiness and, and how you are spreading God's love as well to others. So I'm proud of you and I love you. I love you too. Um, all right. Well, on that note, (laughs) thank you, Sam, for being here and thank you everyone for listening. Um, we definitely ran long today, but it was so, 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 so worth it. So I hope that you, um, listen to every minute of it, even if you have to listen in chunks and I appreciate each and every one of you. And, um, yeah, I'm, I went lost for words again. So, but this is real life and I'm awkward. So it happens, but I appreciate you all. And, um, until next time. Guess what? You can catch the Fervently Seeking Joy podcast on Anchor, Spotify, and iTunes. Make sure you follow so you can keep up to date with all the latest podcast episodes. I'd also love it if you took a minute to rate and review so I can hear what y'all think. If you'd like to stay connected, you can also follow me on Instagram at fervently underscore seeking underscore joy. And as always, stay up to date with the blog by going to ferventlyseekingjoy.wordpress.com. Go ahead, share it with your family and friends. But I gotta warn you, joy seeking can be contagious.